I'll say our pricing is between 10 and 20 bucks a month for the entire team. So the great majority of folks on TeamSnap, the players and the parents you were referring to just a second ago, they don't pay directly. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest this morning is Dave DuPont. He's the co-founder and CEO of TeamSnap, the household name in integrated sports management. Dave wears many hats from being the boss to sweeping the floors and everything in between. Since forming the company, he's managed three successful investment rounds, secured strategic partnerships, and overseen impressive growth. Nearly 20 million administrators, coaches, players, and parents now rely on TeamSnap to manage their sports lives. He continues to focus on both day-to-day and long-term initiatives. Dave, you ready to take us to the top? I am, Nathan. Let's do it. Well, we, can, we can't bury the lead. If people heard that bio, they're going, wait a second. What's TeamSnap doing today if sports teams are not meeting? Well, surprisingly, we're doing better than expected. So TeamSnap, you would expect us, given the fact that we are right in the middle. We provide communication and coordination services to sports organizations. So we're right in the middle of sports activity. And when activity goes to zero, you kind of expect us to, to suffer. And we did to a limited extent. We saw a quick decrease in activity in mid-March, and uh, it flattened out and has climbed ever since. So we think part of the uh, reason is that our member organizations are still using TeamSnap to communicate with their members, even if practices and games aren't taking place. And they are starting to come back. Yeah. that's been the secret to us actually retaining a, retaining a pretty healthy uh, activity uh, set and also a revenue stream. Can you give us an example? I mean, can you name a sports team, you know, in Boulder or New York or anywhere that's sort of using and explain sort of how they use you just to really paint the picture? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are literally tens of thousands of these organizations. And what they're doing is they're using TeamSnap to, for instance, coordinate online workouts, to just stay in touch with people. And the return to sports is in in motion. We have a return to sports, uh, we call it interactive heat map on our website, which shows how quickly sports are returning in various parts of North America. And in certain parts, it's actually over 100%, more Canada than the US. 
because they, they manage the, the crisis more effectively. But uh, we've been surprised by how, by how quickly sports has come back as well. Now, you launched this tool back in 2009. I assume you've done a lot of pricing tests since then. How are you priced today? So uh, we've, we've had lots of changes since we introduced TeamSnap in May of 2009. We started off as just a team communication and coordination solution. So our pricing was focused on, on that feature set, a freemium model, you know, kind of classic uh, freemium internet model. And we've tested that for more than a decade now. <laughs> um, but increasingly, um, we have expanded our business into larger organizations. So when we got started, you as a coach or manager would find out about TeamSnap somehow, often just through friends, and sign up for it and invite, it, invite everyone on your team. And we had a freemium model. So if you hadn't used TeamSnap before, we still have it, by the way, you can use our premium version for 21 days. And then afterward, you decide which version you want. And one of the versions is free. So that still exists. So you have a free trial and a freemium. There's not a hard stop at 21 days. There's not a hard stop. We don't force you off and say, you know, pay us or you're done. It's pay us if you want to continue to use the premium features and that's worked well for us. Our conversion to paid from the free trial is about, and this has been consistent for a decade, 30%. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so if a thousand people in a given month start using that free trial, by the end of that 21 day period, about 300 will convert to paid or something like that. Yes. That's yes. amazing. And who is, so who are you selling? So let's say, the Bravos Little League baseball team in Boulder is using you with 30 players, you know, 49 parents and, and three p- coaches. Is yeah. the coach paying? Is the parent paying? Is the player paying? Who's paying? Yeah, it's typically the coach or many teams have a manager, an assistant coach. So one of those two individuals sets up TeamSnap and typically pays. Sometimes they're reimbursed by the participants or parents, sometimes not. And our pricing is between, we have annual and monthly plans, but just for simplicity, I'll say our pricing is between 10 and 20 bucks a month for the entire team. So the great majority of folks on TeamSnap, the players and the parents you were referring to just a second ago, they don't pay directly TeamSnap. Now, that's the original model for us, and it's still a significant portion of our revenue, but it's not the main part of our revenue. Um, increasingly, we're selling TeamSnap to the club or league. They adopt it for all the teams, the Bravos, the Astros, et cetera, in your example, uh, of a local sports league. And uh, the coaches and managers and players and fans don't pay at all. The organization pays for all of those organizations to be using TeamSnap. And we provide a whole range of services in addition to the ones we originally provided for teams for clubs, leagues, and associations. I Things see. Like, you know, like registration for the upcoming season or scheduling games. Teams don't schedule games. Clubs and leagues do. I see. Okay. So the pricing then is between 10 and 20 per team. And sometimes the organization will pay for 20 teams, which is the league in sort of their geographical area. Sometimes the team will pay directly, but very rarely do the, are the parents playing or the players paying directly. Correct. Okay. And so how many teams today are using the platform, both free and then I assume we can just do 30% are paid? 
Oh, well, daily active users, I'll answer this in a couple of ways. It's about 5 million at this point. Uh, wait a minute, monthly active users is 5 million. Uh, daily active users is 1.5 million. And you can do the math, but the average team has about 40 people on it. So that gives you a good feel for the number of teams that are active on TeamSnap. Yep. Interesting. Okay. And so, I mean, one thing people always have to look at, uh, especially if you're building like a SaaS company, is your ability to drive expansion revenue, especially to have it overcome any any churn. You've sort of made the decision and said, you know, we're going to give our customers a great deal. We're not going to upsell based off like number of players or things like that. Really, your your closest thing to that is upselling a league based off the number of teams in the league. Do you would you do would you repeat that or would you would you give yourself the ability to upsell based off number of players if you redid this? We actually do upsell based on the number of players. As okay. it turns because we have several layers of our premium plan. And one of them is for teams with more than 30 players, for instance. We have teams with a thousand players. So it's only right to charge them a little bit more. Um, but that's um, but the uh, expanded player roster feature, what is what we call it, that's in the um, you don't pay more than the 20 bucks that I referred to, even no matter how many players you, you've got. I see. I see. OK, got so it. That's the question. Would I do that again? Um, I think we we made the right call. Um in the sense of, yes, it was more difficult to build revenue using the model that we did. But at the same time, we built uh, customer trust and affinity and a large user base, and we made a decent amount of money. And now we are expanding on that large user base to into the much more lucrative club, league, and association market. Much more money changes hands at that level than at the team level. And when you say a decent amount of money, can you share maybe what runway you, you passed last year or a range? Um, we don't usually talk about uh, revenue. Um, I will tell you we are, yeah, what's the closest I can, we've grown steadily even since you and I talked. Um, and around, I think our average has been 45% per year since, since we, yeah, growth since we last talked in users and revenue. And um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. We expect our revenue this year to be the same as last year. So not 50% growth or 45%, but the same as last year. But given everything that's going on in the sports world, I count that as a victory. So how do you manage that? Because last time you came on back in 2017, you have raised capital. Uh, you've been creative with it. You haven't just gone and raised heaps and heaps of VC. I think you've used some debt strategically. But I think you, you'd raised, what was it, like $43 million as of two years ago? How much have you raised today? And how do you manage that story of sort of flat even during COVID at the board meeting? Oh, um, so we've raised $48 million to date. And... Our, our uh, investors are investors in other companies, too, and they see what's happening in the world around them. And frankly, they're delighted with uh, our performance. And uh, you know, many people, many of our existing shareholders thought we were done. You know, to, to your point uh, at the beginning of this broadcast, uh, you know, how are you managing to survive when sports activity has really decreased? And the reality is we weren't as affected as uh, we feared from a market standpoint. And also we took action to make sure that we were financially prudent moving forward. That part wasn't fun, but we did cut expenses as soon as we realized that 
is going to take a while for us to uh, see the end of this crisis. You only, Dave, want to do that cut sort of once, which means you want to sit down with your executive team and say, listen, when we make this cut, how many months of runway do we want to have? And every CEO is sort of taking a different approach. Some are planning for really long time, 36 month sort of timeframes. Others are planning for sort of 18 months. So when you sit down with your team, before you decided what to cut and to announce it to the team, how many months of runway did you want to have post cut? We didn't think about it that way, Nathan. We thought it more from the standpoint of what do we think is going to happen with the crisis and uh, what kind of position do we want to be in? So in March, the assumption we had was that our business would decrease on the order of, let me just think of the numbers here, on the order of 50%. Um, Through the summer, we'd see a slight trickle in the summer, and then we thought that we'd see a gradual return during the fall to, uh, to 70% participation. So only 30% down in the fall. And um, I'm not sure whether that forecast will hold out, um, but we actually have exceeded it so far significantly, very significantly. Exceeded in the extent that the business didn't take as much as a 50% hit. It was actually less of a hit than 50%. Much less. less. Yeah. Yeah. Round round figures, Nathan, was about 30, uh, about a third initially. And Mm -hmm. then we climbed up from there. So even, you know, that relative to many companies and especially companies like ours was, um, was, yeah, was pretty good. Um, and I'd like to touch on the furloughs that we went on. Yeah. I mean, that's not easy, Dave. How'd you do that? Yeah. So, um, it's not easy at all, but you know, I've, as you can tell, I've been in business for a while. And as I told the team, I said, guys, I've seen this movie before. It's not going to get, it's not going to get better right away. And we can hope it will, but we have to count on things taking a while to recover. So let's cut once and once only, to your point earlier. And that means it's going to be painful. And I really salute the team because in other companies, big companies like you, the Packard, what I've seen is that functional leaders will often try to protect their people. So you end up with um, essentially turf war discussions. And the team was not like that at all. It was extremely collaborative. We decided, I, I, I remember that, I think it was March 13th, that it became clear we had to do something. I grieved over the weekend and had the conversation I just described on Monday. And what was that, the 16th? And nine days later, we furloughed uh, a good portion of our company. Yep, yep. And how many, so can you quantify that for us? How many people did you have to let go? Yeah. So round figures, uh, we furloughed about half the people in the company. Okay. That was, uh, about 80 folks. And that, that was one of the worst days of my life, by the way, man. I can these imagine. People, these are people that were very dedicated to team snap that we were very close to. And, uh, you know, that's not fun. And we knew we were tossing people out into a challenging economic environment. Um, we furloughed folks cause we wanted to bring some back and we have done that we've brought back about 15% of the folks we furloughed. And we hope to bring back more over time, but we're going to be extremely conservative. So what's the team look like today? How many full-time folks? Uh, We're a little over 80 people at this point. 80 folks, and how many engineers? Uh, About a third of that is our engineering team. About half is product. So product managers, designers, and engineers. Yep. Yep. And do you have, I mean, do you have quota carrying sales reps with this kind of freemium sales motion or no? 
Yes, we do. Be, not for the freemium part of our business, but clubs, leagues, and associations, that's not freemium. That's a classic business-to-business sales model. So yes, we do have a sales force there. We also, as, as our engagement with the overall market has grown, we have um, instituted advertising and commerce on our platform. And we have salespeople, different kinds of salespeople, that call on brands, direct advertising and commerce deals. So, yeah. How many, well, how many of those folks? How many, how many quota-carrying folks? Um, I, I, I could give you the exact numbers, but I'm just thinking through the organization now. Altogether, about 15. 15, okay. P- pretty healthy group there. And do you, so, so when you look at, your sort of weighted cost to get a customer, especially in the new environment we're in, I imagine it's a very different CAC on your freemium versus going and selling a big league deal. But let's just focus on getting, you know, one team paying 10 to 20 bucks a month. What's your typical CAC on that kind of sale? Yeah. So our typical CAC, uh, we look specifically at CAC time to break even. Okay. And our typical CAC time to break even is six or seven months. Okay. So you're paying like 60 to 80 bucks to get a customer. Exactly. To yep. get a paying customer. 